Romans 14. Uh, what we often hear about in this passage of Scripture is that it, it deals with the topic of Christian liberty and uh, the liberties that we have in the Lord. We're not going to touch on that today. That's a, that's a message for a different day. What I'm, I'm going to focus on is a couple of verses uh, here. The title of the message is Giving an Account to God. And that this, the reason this comes to mind, I suppose, is because we have had a couple of folks who have, who have left us uh, to gone on to heaven, and it brings to memory the fact that we will all give an account to the Lord one day uh, for, uh, for ourselves, the lives that we've lived here. And I think from time to time it, it pays for us to just look at these truths in the Scripture. So I'm, I'm looking at Romans 14 and verse 11. It says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Specifically, these words were written to the church at Rome by the Apostle Paul. But in reality, they apply to every person who has ever lived, everyone who has ever walked the earth. There is one day when they will give an account to God, and we know that. And so let's be reminded of it uh, this morning. Let's pray one more time. Father, Thank you again for allowing us to be here in your house today. We pray, Lord, in, in this time of grief, as we have uh, suffered loss in our church, we pray, Lord, uh, that you would, uh, from time to time like this, that you would just bring us face-to-face with our own mortality. We know that there will come a day when we will draw our last breath if, the, if Christ tarries, and we will uh, come before you one day, and we'll, get, we'll each give an account. And so as we look at this uh, passage today, Father, we just pray that you might teach us from it and uh, help us to examine uh, ourselves as a result. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is one of, I think, one of the most solemn passages of Scripture we'll ever read. These words. Uh, We are all accountable, is what it's telling us here, all of us, uh, individually to God. That can be a scary thing to think of sometimes, can it? When we, when we think about that, that we will all give an account to Him. And when we do so, it's not going to be a team effort. It's not going to be, uh, you, ever, you ever get called in front of the class in school and they, they reprimand you for something? And what, what immediately begins to happen? Well, he was talking louder than I was. She threw more spitballs than I did. And, and all of those kinds of things. And, and it's always someone else is worse than me. What this is telling us, we will all individually give an account to the Lord. It's not a team effort, and there won't be any sharing of accountability. We will, we will answer to our Lord for the way we lived our lives, won't we? And I want, as we look at this, three things stand out and that I'd like us to take a look at uh, regarding this accounting. The first one is who, who will give an account. The second one is who, are they going, or who will they give the account to, and yes, I know that it's, it's improper to end a, a sentence in English with a proposition, but that's the way we talk, so let's just do it. Who are we going to give an account to? And then a third thing, who and what will we give an account of when we give that accounting? So I want us to look at those things. First one is, who, who's going to give the account? Look at verse 12. It says, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Uh, that's the King James Version. Uh, many of the English translations, they, t- they translate those words, many of the other English translations that is, translate that every one of us to say this, each of us. And that makes it a little more specific, doesn't it? It's not just that every one of us are going to give an account. Each of us will give an account to God. It's very clear, isn't it? It's this very sobering thought. 
that none of us, not one of us, will, will escape that accounting when we stand before the Lord. And it won't matter. Kevin kind of alluded to some of this this morning in Sunday school. It won't matter if we're young when we are taken in death and we go to be before the Lord. It won't matter if we're old. The accounting will be the same on it. Uh, young people won't have nearly as much to be accountable for, I suppose, as those of us who are older or those of us who are less young. We'll put it that way. It won't matter if we were rich or if we were poor, how much we had in this life. It won't matter if we're skilled uh, at something or if we're unskilled, like some of the others of us are less skilled than, than some. It won't matter if uh, we are highly educated with all kinds of initials after our, our names, of showing all the, the degrees that we have and the certificates and all of that. It won't matter if we're educated or if we're just illiterate and can barely write our names or recognize them if someone else writes them. It won't matter if we're part of uh, what some would call the cultural elite or if we're just, uh, as we might say, the man on the street or the common person on the street. None of that matters. No one will get a pass from being accountable to the Lord. And would you think with me on this, I think most people don't ever give that a, a, thought, a second thought. They don't think of that as, as being a, a reality. If you were to ask most of the people that you meet outside of a church setting, do you believe you're going to, you're going to give an account to God? They would probably say, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we probably will. <laughs> it would be something like that. But if you press them specifically, do you believe that you will give an account to God? What kind of response do you get from someone who isn't saved? Often it's going to be, well, I'm, I, I, I'm okay. I, I think I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably give an account to God, but I, I think I'm okay because I'm usually, I'm generally a pretty good person. That really doesn't matter, does it, how good a person we are, how many, uh, as, as people used to say, how, how many times you walked a little old lady across the street or how many times you raked the leaves for a neighbor or any of that, it doesn't matter. But that's what some people think. It's not something, uh, the, the response you'll get is, well, that's not something I want to think about right now. I've got plenty of time to think about that. But when it really comes down to it, we don't have plenty of time, do we? None of us, when it comes time to draw that last breath, we're probably all going to be thinking, oh, wow, I wish I had more time. I didn't realize it was going to come this quick. And so people need to be reminded that we will give an account to God one day. And we'll never get a pass from it. And the thing is, our culture runs counter to that thought, doesn't it? That there will be an accounting. Because think about it. In, in the world that we live in, if you're wealthy, if you're influential, if you're affluent, you can get away with anything, can't you? And you, then you may be taken to court for, for some crime that you've committed, but if you're wealthy enough, if you're powerful enough, if you're famous enough, you might get a slap on the wrist by a judge that says, go, go away and don't do that again. We know you didn't mean to do it this time. And that's the, the culture that we live in. And so people think, well, I, there's, no, there's no real accounting, is there? No, that's not, the, that's not the case at all with the one that we have to give an account to. The God of all glory, he doesn't just slap on the wrist, does he? And he will give, he will require an accounting for us, from us. So who will give an account? Each one of us. Each of us will do that. Who will give the accounting to? Look at verse 12 again. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Again, very sobering words, aren't they? And there's a couple of things that I want us to think of in terms of we're giving an account to God. The first one that I want us to consider is 
we will give an account to an infinitely holy God. A God who has never sinned. Never once. A God who will not tolerate sin in His presence. Not even the smallest one. We, we, we may commit, and I think Kevin may have been mentioning some of this this morning as well. You know, there's big sins, there's little sins, and it doesn't matter. It's, it's not the size of the sin that counts. It's the holiness of the God that we've sinned against. That's what counts, doesn't it? And we will give an accounting to an infinitely holy God. He won't tolerate it. 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16 reads like this. It tells us that as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. There can be no question. It is an infinitely holy God that we are accountable to, isn't it? I want you to think, if you will, and if you want to turn back here, uh, you hold your place here. We'll be back in Romans. But I'm going to be looking at some verses in Isaiah chapter 6. I refer to this every now and then because it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Isaiah was considered by the people of his day as a, as a righteous prophet. and But when we're going to read here, what Isaiah's view of himself was once he got a, a good view of God. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, we read this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, listen to what Isaiah said. After seeing this vision of the holiness, the glory of God, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah first caught that glimpse of the holiness of God, he realized how unholy he was. And though people around him looked at him and said, well, Isaiah, he's a man of God. He's a very, well, he's a very influential. He's a very godly man. Isaiah looked at himself and said, woe is me. I'm not, the one, I'm not going around spending all of my time praising God and, and ascribing holiness to him the way that angel is. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And when we think about standing before an infinitely holy God, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? I want you to think about Job. Scripture itself, remember how it refers to Job there in Job chapter 1? Describes him as a perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Or that, that term eschewed means he hated, he detested evil. Listen to those words, perfect and upright and he feared God and he eschewed evil. But after Job having had some discussions with his friends, if you remember the book of Job, he came to a point where he had a vision of God himself. And when he did that, he described himself as this way, as having heard of thee, that is, having heard of God by the hearing of the ear. But then he said, But now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. This man that had been described as a perfect and upright, fearing God, hating evil, he says, when he came to grips with how holy God was, he said, I hate myself because of it. I, I abhor myself and I'm going to repent in dust and ashes because I realize I don't even come close to the holiness of God. 
That's the holy God that we'll all give an account to, isn't it? Think about the Apostle John. He's referred to in Scripture as the Apostle that, that Jesus loved. He was that beloved Apostle. He was, the best we can tell, he was the closest of the twelve Apostles to the Lord Jesus. Why, we don't, we don't really know. But there was this closeness of their relationship. You remember, though, in uh, the book of Revelation, when John were told he was probably in his 90s, he had been exiled to the island of Patmos, and he saw a vision of the Lord Jesus the glorified Christ. you remember what he said? He said in Revelation 117, when he saw that vision, he said, I fell at his feet as dead. He, he hit the ground prostrate before the, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. This infinitely holy God that we've caught a glimpse of in, in the lives of these three men is the one we'll give an account of one day of ourselves. Does that mean we're going, to, we're going to, as Christians, we're going to stand before Him cowering because we're, we're afraid of the judgment? No, no, not at all. Not as Christians. Jesus paid the sin debt for us. We won't be giving an account of Him uh, as far as sin. We won't be in, in danger of being judged for our sin or punished for our sin. But yet we still will give an account for the life that we lived before Him as Christians even. There's a second thing. And I want us to think about when we think about who it is that we're going to give an accounting to. Not only is He an infinitely holy God, He is an all-knowing God that we will give an account to. There is nothing about our lives that goes outside of God's notice. Now is that a sobering thought or not? Everything about our lives He knows about it. Every action that we've ever made, whether it was a public action or a private action, whether somebody else saw it, or whether we thought it was in secret. No matter what it is, God knows about it. And isn't it good that He still loves us? We'll give an account for it. We'll, we'll stand before Him and we'll, we'll account for what we have done. And yet we know that He's still a loving God, but we will give an account. Every word that we've ever spoken, we'll give an account for it. Whether we said it out loud, whether we whispered it, or whether we almost said it and stopped ourselves, God still heard those words, didn't He? Whether we said them, uh, whatever the words were, whether we said them in love, and we say a lot of things in love, we say a lot of things in compassion to people, don't we? We say a lot of things, though, in anger, don't we? Yeah, we, we, we nod, because we do, even as Christians. We, we say things in anger, don't we? We say things out of frustration sometimes. Um, if you were at the funeral yesterday, you heard Brother Jim Vickery talk about his great-grandmother. Those of you who weren't there, he was telling a story about when he was Brother Paul's cousin. When they were little, they took their great-grandmother's snuff can, and they poured the snuff out, and they put sand in it. And they put it back where it was, and then they hid and waited for what would happen. And they said that when she took a dip of that snuff, he said, I won't repeat what she said. And she was a godly Christian woman. So we say things sometimes in frustration, don't we? When we got a little bit of sand there right there between our cheek and gun, that's, that's not a pleasant thing, is it? We say things out of pain sometimes that we don't mean. We might strike out at someone when we're in pain. And we regret it as soon as we said it. God hears, he, he hears those words. We say things out of loneliness sometimes. And that, the pain that comes with that, out of heartache. We'll give an account for those words. But know this, we are 
we will give that account to an all-knowing God who said, who will know exactly what we were going through when we said those words. And he will account for those things. We also will give an account for every thought. Every thought we've ever had. Um, and we, those thoughts, God knows them. He knows them clearly. He knows them in vivid detail. Details that we would maybe prefer that he not know. He knows our motives for every thought that we ever had. He knows our intentions for every thought. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is nothing about our lives is going to be hidden from God. Not from the God of glory. He knows everything about it. And we may deceive other people in this life. Uh, we may be able to tell someone, oh, I didn't say that. Or I wasn't thinking that. Or I didn't do that. And we may be able to deceive some other people. But we'll never deceive God, will we? And we have to be, bear in mind, it's not other people that we're giving the account to. Yes, when we were three uh, in third grade, we gave an account to our third grade teacher, yes. Uh, if we're employed, we give an account to uh, accounting to our employers. But it's not other people that we will give an account of for our lives. It's the, this holy, this infinitely holy, this all-knowing God. So, when we think about the fact that each of us is going to give an account, who is it? that we'll give the account, it's each one of us individually. Who we're going to give the accounting to, it's to that infinitely holy, that all-knowing God. So who is it and what is it that we're going to give an accounting of? We look at verse 12 again. Who is it that we'll give an account of? It's going to give of ourselves. We saw that already. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Face it, most everybody would rather give an accounting of someone else, wouldn't they? Wouldn't, wouldn't you rather? If, if, if it came time to give an account for something, wouldn't you rather give an account for the person who threw more spitballs than you did or the person who talked louder than you did when they were supposed to be quiet or the person who did whatever other than you? We'd all like to do that, wouldn't we? But it's ourselves that we'll give the accounting of. It's a sobering thought. And, and, and that's a sobering thought even for Christians, isn't it? Uh, but uh, Because we know... Again, though we're not going to stand before God for judgment, we will give account. And he's going to ask us things. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll want to know why we said certain things or why we did certain things or why we didn't do other things that maybe we could have. But it's a far more sobering thought for anyone who's lost, someone who has never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. The thought then, if you've never put your faith in him, if you've never been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you've never had your sin debt paid, then uh, it's a far more sobering thought to think that you're going to stand before that all-knowing God, isn't it? Or that infinitely holy God. Because when that happens, there's only going to be two people present, or two individuals. It's going to be you, or me, and that infinitely holy all-knowing God. That's a very uncomfortable position for someone who's never trusted Christ, isn't it? There will be nobody else for us to compare ourselves to that we would love to be, to have somebody that we could point at and say, they're worse than me, look at them. There won't be that. And so we need to, why do I mention that to a, a group of people that, uh, that are believers in Christ? Because we all know someone who's lost. We all know many people who are lost. They need to hear this message. They need to be reminded from time to time that they will give an accounting to God just as we will. But they're not giving to a, uh, an accounting to a God who has saved them by His grace and who loves them as one of His children. They're going to be coming as someone who 
who has no, no Savior to rely on. And who's going to tell them that message if it's not us? It's, our, it's incumbent on us to share that message with people, isn't it? That's why it's important that we look at this. So who will give an account? Who is it we're going to give an account of? It's ourselves. What will we give an account of? I think there's several things, and they're not necessarily in this passage, but common sense, I think, will tell us this as we look at them. One thing we're going to give an account of is what we did with our time. Every one of us, we're given a certain amount of time, and it's a very invaluable gift, isn't it? You can't put a, a, a dollar value on the time that we have. The time that we have to spend with our families, our friends, uh, to spend worshiping the Lord, the time that we spend uh, fellowshipping with people, or the, the jobs that we do, the things that we do for other people, that's invaluable time, isn't it? Christians, I think we'll give an account for what, what was our time used for? Did we use it for God's service or not? Excuse me. Did we use our time in obedience to the Lord? And we, we would like to say, yes, we did that, especially after we were saved, aren't we? Don't we? But are we always obedient? Did we, uh, we can give an account uh, for our time. Did we use it teaching other people? Did we use our time witnessing to other people? And when the, every opportunity that the Lord gave us. Did we use our time worshiping God as often as we could? And you know, I think sometimes we come to church and we don't necessarily worship when we're there. We, we sing the songs that are worship songs, but if we're not careful, we just, we're just looking at the words and we're singing the words and we're not actually lifting up our hearts in worship to God. We should be ascribing glory and honor to the God that we serve, not just when we're singing a hymn though, but everything about our lives. Even, even the work that we do, that can be worship for the Lord if we're serving Him with it. And so we, we give an account, or we will give an account for our time. Uh, we'll give an accounting for, as Christians, or the things that we did, did they have eternal value? Or is there no eternal value to them at all? And did we spend our time uh, mostly in entertainment? Just to get something for ourselves? Did we spend our time in, in just worldly amusements? Did we spend our time, in other words, uh, as the Apostle Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 3, did we spend our time uh, focusing on things that accounted to mostly just wood, hay, and stubble? that would be burned up if there, was a, if there were fires of judgment. Is that what we spend our time on? Or do we spend our time on more valuable things? Someone who has never trusted Christ, it's very sobering. They will give an accounting to God of all of the time they spent rejecting the offer of salvation. Let that sink in. How many, and even, even those of us who are saved, how many times did we hear the gospel before we said, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ. We give an account for that as well. Why did we wait so long? I'm sure the Lord would like to ask us that. He knows the answer, but I'm sure He would like for us to tell Him, why did you wait so long before you trusted me? But someone who's never trusted Christ, and they leave this life, they get to give an account for why did you, why did you hear the message of salvation that so clearly told you you had a sin debt that you could not pay and my son, Jesus Christ, paid that debt for you, and it was free. All you had to do was accept that offer, <coughs> accept that payment, and put your trust in Him only and nothing else. Why didn't you give? How sad that's going to be for the people who have to give an accounting for that one day. But we will give an account for our time. A second thing that I think we're going to give an account of is what we do with our talents. Every one of us, 
Now, regardless of how, of how much we may say, well, it's not true, every one of us has been given some kind of a skill or some kind of a talent, haven't we? And some are, are more, some are more visual. Some people have a beautiful singing voice. And if you ever hear them one time open their mouth in song, you're like, wow, where have you been all my life? I love, I could sit and listen to this. Some people are brilliant musicians. And you listen to their music and you think, wow, that is so beautiful. And I've, I've actually heard some people say that, um, that some churches that have the orchestrated music, if you're not careful, that music can become an idol because you can think it is so beautiful that you focus more on the music than you do on the God that you should be worshiping. But some people have a talent for that. Some people have a talent for art. I have. I did. You ever t have uh, teachers tell you to draw an apple in, in, in school art class and, and yours didn't look anything like an apple? You ever go to an art museum and someone says, ooh, that's a sunset. And I'm looking, it looked like someone cleaned a paintbrush on a canvas. There's no sun there. There's, there's a sunset there. There's nothing. There was a line in a movie many years ago. Somebody said something about they, it was art and, and another person said, that ain't art. You can't call it art unless you got talent. And you've got no talent. And some people are that way, but others are they can they can paint something in a way that it's it's beautiful. We had a pastor one time and he had an art of eloquence and speaking. This man could genuinely and well not genuinely, but he could almost describe an apple in a way you could taste it. And it was it was amazing to sit and listen to him teach the scriptures and it just the truth just dripped off and it was sweet as honey and that other people, they stumble over their tongues. You look at a guy every week that stumbles over his tongue <laughs> on a regular basis, don't you? Some, of, some people are different, but we all have some skill, some talent that the Lord has given us. And we'll give an accounting whenever what we did with that talent. Did we use it for His glory or did we use it for our own? But we'll all be responsible for what we did with the talents that the Lord gave us. A third thing that we'll be accountable for We'll give an account for us what we do with our money. Uh, God gives us money. It's a sacred trust that He gives us as stewards. And He expects us to use that for His glory as well. Don't we? We have that responsibility. And it doesn't matter if we're wealthy or we're poor. Uh, the Lord uh, Jesus pointed out one lady who, and she dropped an offering into the uh, coffer there in the temple. And He said, that lady's given a whole lot more than anybody else because she gave everything she had. And some people were just giving a little bit of what they had. That's not, that's not, I don't think he was in any way teaching that we should give everything we have every week into the offering plate. What he's saying is we should be willing to give whatever we have for the Lord as he, as he directs us. And not just use our money just for ourselves. We're accountable uh, for what the Lord has entrusted us with. Whether it is our, our time, our talents, our money, and we'll be held accountable. A fourth thing that we will be accountable for. And this one is, is a little more sobering maybe than the other three combined. We'll give an account for what we did with our tongues. What did we say with the words that we speak? And the thoughts that drove them. And we all know that there are bad things that we can do with our tongues, don't we? Uh, we, can, we can lash out with a fiery temper if we let that get the, the better of us. And those can be very hurtful words. We can lash out with jealousy and say some very hurtful things. Uh, some people are are almost eloquent in their use of obscenity, and we have uh, people will give an account for the words that come out of their mouths. Uh, and it, perhaps even worse than obscenity, some people like to use their tongues for gossip, which can be incredibly painful to the people who are on the receiving end of that. 
can it. We can use our, our voices for slanderous comments to people. We got we will give account for it. One of the worst, I think, is that there are people in this world who use their voices in a way to lead people away from the truth of God's Word. It's not enough for some people to say, I don't believe this. They will go out of their way to try to convince other people not to believe the truth of the Scripture. They will give an account for those words, won't they? But we also know that there's good things that we can do with our tongues. It's not all bad. Uh, the things that we do, we can be, we can speak words of encouragement to other people. And the Lord will ask us to give an account for how many times did you encourage somebody? How many, how many times did you give comfort to somebody who was hurting and someone who needed uh, a bit of comfort? We can give another good thing that we can do with our words. We can share God's word. Remember what uh, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, told Timothy about his word. He said, "All Scripture is given." By inspiration of God and it's profitable for some things. You remember what? It's profitable for reproof, for correction, um, for doctrine first, then for reproof, then for correction, then for instruction in righteousness. All of God's Word is truthful. All of God's Word um, provides us with doctrine, what it is that God wants out of us. Reproof, what it is we've done wrong in regard to what God's Word teaches us. Then it's profitable for correction. Okay, we, It reproves us. It shows us what's wrong. And then it shows us how to correct what's wrong in our lives. And then it gives us instruction in righteousness. How we can go forward and live lives of, of Christian service. We'll give an accounting for did we share God's word with people? Did we share words of warning? Words of witness of the Lord Jesus Christ? We'll give an accounting for these things. So we will give an account uh, for our time, our talents, our money, our tongues. Those are... As I've said several times this morning, those are sobering words, aren't they? That we'll all give to the Lord. For Christians, we know that we are eternally secure in the Lord. Our salvation, we'll never lose it. Isn't that wonderful? That we don't have to worry about that. Uh, the, the Lord takes care of that. But still, we will give an account to an infinitely holy and all-knowing God for what we've done. Uh, for these things, our time, our talents, our money, as we said, our our uh, speech, what we had to say with our tongues. Essentially, we'll give an accounting for our lives one day to the Lord. And because of that, I think it calls for living the way uh, Paul spoke uh, there in Ephesians chapter 5 when he said that we should live circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We should walk circumspectly. The idea is walk, looking around you as you go through life. Look around you. Do the things that will honor the Lord. Be cautious because there's things in this world that will trip you up and lead you to sin. And so we need to be cautious about that, knowing that we'll give an account to the Lord. But there's one other thing uh, that we will give an account for, everyone will give an account for, and that is what they did with Jesus Christ. That is, without question, the most important thing. What did any of us do with the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to quote you something that R.A. Torrey uh, a preacher of a, uh, of a different generation. He probably spoke these words some hundred years ago. He said, When God sent His own Son down into this world to pour out life, His life's blood on the cross of Calvary as an atoning sacrifice for your sins and mine, God laid upon you and me the most stupendous responsibility. The responsibility of rejecting or accepting Him. And every one of us must give account to God for what we've done with Jesus Christ. We will all do that someday. 
And if we've trusted Jesus Christ, we have been born again into the family of God. We are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And we will spend eternity with Him. If someone leaves this life and they've never trusted Christ, that's a different accounting that they will give uh, for the life that they lived, isn't it? Every person that rejects salvation through Christ has to give an account for that rejection for every time they rejected it. Scripture says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, if the, I, I don't know anyone's spiritual condition, but if you happen to be here today, or if anyone's listening to this recording at some future time, if you've never trusted Christ, today is the day to do that. There's an old era proverb. I wrote this, I saw this many, many years ago, and I wrote it down. It says, Four things come not back. You can't ever get them back. One is a word that is spoken, you don't, you don't get to take it back, do you? A second one is a sped arrow. And if you've ever done any archery, once you let go of that arrow and it leaves the bow, you're not getting it back, it's gone. A third one is time passed. Once time has gone, we don't get it back. And the fourth one is neglected opportunity. You never get an opportunity back. You may get another opportunity later. You may not. So that is why So it's incumbent on anyone who has heard the gospel, now is the accepted time to accept that. Everyone will give an account for their... Uh, rejection of the gospel message. So if there is anyone here today and you've never trusted Christ, don't put that decision off. Do it today. Trust Jesus for your salvation. And I'll leave you with this question as we close to everyone here. Could you give a satisfactory accounting of your life today if you were called to do that? And I hope that, that everyone here can say yes. I, well, I might be ashamed of some of the things I've done, but I have done... I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I can give a good account of that. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You, Lord, for these words. We thank You for uh, the warning in Scripture. We will give an account, each of us. I pray if there's anyone under the, the sound of my voice uh, that has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, that they would do that today. They can do that right now. They can call upon You. They can confess their sin before You. They can... Uh, be gloriously saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray, that, Father, for those of us who are Christians, uh, we have made that decision. We have been born again into your family. I pray that you'd help us to use our time, our, our talents, uh, the money that you've put before us, uh, our tongues, that we might use all of these things and whatever you give us for your glory and your honor that we might not be ashamed of, even as a servant of God, even as a child of God, that we wouldn't be ashamed to stand before you and give an accounting of, of what you've put within our grasp. Let us live our lives in such a way, Lord, that we would be, uh, we're going to be happy to see you uh, and give that accounting to you. Guide us, we pray, as we close the service today. In Jesus' name, 